Are you in search of a closer relationship with Jesus Christ and a better understanding of the basic truths of Christian faith? If so, please join us for Simple Secrets of the Kingdom, a series of Bible studies developed by Reverend James Otterness and taught by Skip Hedgepeth, board member of Good News Ministries and Bible teacher at Christ Church in Midland, Texas. Hi, I'm Skip Hedgepeth and welcome to Simple Secrets of the Kingdom. For the last few weeks, We've been talking about the living the daily Christian life. And, you know, we come to faith in Jesus Christ, and at the moment of our salvation, we're changed. But we still have that old nature that is at war inside of us with our new nature in Christ. And because of that war, uh, there's all kinds of struggles that we have to deal with on a daily basis. And God loves us so much that He doesn't want us to be alone in that struggle. And so the last few weeks, we've been talking about God's plan, how He helps us in the midst of that struggle. And today, we're going to carry on in that study and get some new uh, information from the Scripture that hopefully will help you in your daily Christian walk. And let's begin by going to the Lord and asking for His blessing on this study today. Dear Lord, we love you and thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you, Lord that you don't just leave us alone out here to, to fight the fight and struggle every day uh, in this Christian walk alone. Thank you that you love us enough to be with us in the very middle of it. And today, I pray that you would show us through your word or where to come when we're in the midst of trials and that you would uh, not only show us, but give us the power, Lord, to, to overcome and to be victorious in our struggles. Thank you for this, and I pray your blessing on this time as we study with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we're going to open up in Romans chapter 8, and this is going to be one of those studies where we pretty much take one or two verses at a time and work through this passage. And this, to me, Romans 8, is one of the pivotal chapters of the Scripture powerful good news. And let's read, and we'll start out with this amazing good news. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so the Apostle Paul, who's inspired by the Spirit, speaks to us in Romans 8, 1 and gives us some of the absolute best news that we could ever experience in this life. And that is this fact that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And... Uh, a number of years ago, I was visiting with a young woman who had had a really hard uh, early part of her life, and she was promiscuous and had uh, gotten into drugs and alcohols in the 60s and had had uh, a lot of leftover guilt from those years. And I asked her if she had prayed for forgiveness, and she said that she had, that she had prayed. And I said, well, uh, then you're forgiven. And she talked about how she didn't feel the forgiveness, and she was afraid that when she stood before God uh, on Judgment Day, that she would still have to somehow or other give an account and pay for her sins. And what I went, did for her was to go to Romans 8, verse 1, and I said, Okay, listen to this news. There is therefore now no condemnation for you because you are in Christ Jesus. So, what does it say about the condemnation? Uh, it says, Now it is gone. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And, uh, 
And you may feel today, as you're listening to this, you may feel like that woman that I'm talking about. Maybe you feel that you're under the, the condemning hand of God because of things that you've done. Well, if you have gone to the Lord and asked for his forgiveness, then I want to be, uh, in Jesus' name, I want to be the one to announce the good news to you, the good news that was given through the Apostle Paul in Romans 8.1, the word of God, there is therefore now no condemnation for you. And what that means is that God has removed your sin if you've gone to him through faith in Jesus and asked for forgiveness as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed his transgressions from you. And that, and that is not only good for when you come before the Lord on judgment day, but it's also good right now. That means where you stand today, God is not condemning you because of what Jesus has done for you. And so with that good news, let's go to the next and we're going to read in uh, uh, Romans, uh, Romans 8 verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. And so he's saying that this law, this fact uh, here, he's saying it's a fact that the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free. Jesus has set you free from sin and from death and from the condemnation that goes along with it. Uh, that's just another way of saying what he said before, that uh, Jesus has set you free. You are no longer under that punishment that would go with sin. And let's get a little bit more. We're going to read Romans 8 verse 3 now. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. And so God has done what the law could not do. And remember we talked about that. The law shows us what our sin is, but it has no power to free us from it. God has done that for us in Jesus. And he did it by sending his son, Jesus Christ. He, he sent him as a man. And uh, he says, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and he condemned sin in the flesh. And so God did what the law could not do. When Jesus was crucified on that cross outside of Jerusalem, he took your place. You know, the wages of sin is death. That's what the scripture says. But when Jesus died on the cross, he gave his life. He took our place. You see, we deserve death. Jesus deserved life because Jesus is perfect. Uh, Jesus never sinned. He lived a, sin, he lived a sin, sinless life. But he gave his life to take our place and take the punishment that we deserved. That's how much God loves us, to put Jesus in our place. And it's also how much God wants to spend eternity with you in that he sent his son to pay the price for your sin by taking your place on that cross outside of Calvary. Let's go to Romans 8, 4 now. And he did this in order that the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And so uh, the apostle Paul says he did this in order that, so that, the just requirement of the law might be fulfilled. God gave the law, and what the law required was perfection. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength and your neighbor as yourself. And because we were born children of a sinful humanity, uh, there is no way that we could ever fulfill the perfect requirement of the law. But the good news is that God required perfection of us. He didn't change his standards. He just, he gives us that perfection through Jesus. And so God requires perfection, but then he gives it to us through faith in Jesus. So he fulfills the requirement of the law. He doesn't change the law in order for us to go to heaven. He fulfills it in Christ. And so that's important for you to know because if you're out there listening today and, and, and you're trying to measure up to God's standards in your own power, thinking that if somehow you could just be better, just be good enough, that somehow God will love you, well then, uh, you must be really frustrated because there's no way that you could ever measure up to that standard of perfection. But listen, God loves you and he will, he will provide the perfection for you so that when you stand before God on the day of judgment, what he's going to look at is, if you're a believer in Jesus, what he's going to look for is to see, is Christ in you through faith? That's the perfection he's looking for. And that's our only hope for eternal life. Uh, and, uh, and Jesus is our only hope, but he gives that hope freely. Let's get a little bit more of this good news. Romans 8, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. And those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. And so here he's talking about, about this word according, living according to the flesh and according to the spirit. And this word according is kind of like a musical ter term. It's like being in accord with. And so I want to use this example for you today. And this is my guitar that you've probably been watching on the tapes, seeing it sitting over here on the side. And uh, in order... If a guitar sits on a stand like this, and it sits there for a number of days, uh, you don't even have to touch it. It will eventually get out of tune. In order for a guitar to stay in tune, it has to be tuned regularly because temperature and humidity and other things can affect it. The elements of this world can affect the guitar and get it out of tune. And so in order for it to be in tune according to a standard pitch, then I need something to tune it to. So I have this pitch pipe here, and I'll play this E. Then we'll see how we're in tune here. So you see, that's low. So I'm going to tune it up. I'll play the E again. There, and there it's in tune. And so it's only in tune if I can get it tuned to the standard pitch. And then it's in accord with standard pitch. And so the message for you today is, what are you in tune to? What are you in tune to on a daily basis? You know, for our believers, if we don't get tuned up to the master chord, who is our Lord Jesus Christ, then we too are affected by the elements in this life. And we're swayed and, uh, and the world tries to conform us to its patterns. And 
And so in order for me to get tuned up every day, I've got to somehow or other get in tune with what the Father's will is for my life. And so I'll do that by praying. And through prayer, I can get in tune with the Father's will. Through reading. And if you'll look behind me here, I have several devotional books. And in the mornings, I'll reach over and grab one of those devotional books, a book by Billy Graham or a book by Oswald Chambers. And, um, and uh, C.S. Lewis is another one that I read in the mornings. And what that does, reading what these men of God have written over the years, gets me in tune with the Father's will and, and helps me to set my mind on the things of the, of the Spirit. You know, he says, those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. And those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And so, what are you getting tuned up to every day? Are you getting tuned up to the things of the world because you're focused on those things? Um, if you do, that's the direction that your life will go. But if you're getting tuned into the, th the things of the Spirit, then the Lord will, your mind will be set on Him and you'll be in tune with His will and your actions will follow. Only then can you really be in tune and live your life for the purpose that God intends you to live it. And so, let's get Romans 8, verse 6. He says, To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. And so, here he's saying that if you set your mind on the flesh, it will lead to death. And that new you, that new uh, whom he's calling uh, the real you, who is your spirit, if you... If you set your mind on the flesh, then that part of you is going to start dying. But your flesh will spring to life if you set your mind on it. But if you set your mind on the Spirit and on the things of the Spirit, then your spiritual life will grow and be healthier and strong. Uh, one of the stories that I heard about this, a tragic story, has to do with a man by the name of Ted Bundy. Maybe some of you have heard of Ted Bundy. Uh, he was a serial killer uh, who who committed horrible crimes, probably killed somewhere around 25 or 26 young women in his, in his killing spree. And at the very end of his life, before Ted Bundy went to the, to the electric chair, uh, many news reporters were looking for interviews with Ted Bundy, and, um, and he requested one person to come and do an interview, and that person was Dr. James Dobson, who is the... I'm not sure what his title is today, but he used to be the chairman of Focus on the Family Ministries. And one of the things that Ted Bundy confessed to Dr. Dobson in that last interview was that when he was a young man, very young, like in, even before his preteen years, he ran across uh, someone had thrown away, it was in a dumpster or in a dump or something, some really hardcore pornography. And Ted Bundy, as a really young boy, started focusing on pornography. And his mind was, was set on pornography so that, um, and this was, was progressive in the sense that the pornography got more and more hardcore over time until he got to a point where he said the pornography involved uh, some horrible images. And 
this, he got to the point where the pornography wasn't fulfilling that desire uh, in him and that adrenaline that he needed. And so then he took it into going out into the real world and living out the pornographic thoughts that his mind became set on. And he said in that interview that he wished that there had been someone who could have gotten his mind set on something else. But his mind was set on the flesh. And when your mind is set on the flesh, then you're in a downward spiraling cycle that you're not powerful enough to overcome on your own. You need a power greater than yourself. And that power is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you are in some kind of a downward spiral today, then cry out to the Lord and ask for himself, ask for his help, his help. And tell the Lord that you can't overcome these desires on your own or these actions on your own. And you need his power. And he'll come to your rescue and help. And so now let's read Romans 8. 7 and 8, and we'll see where we go, where the Lord takes us next. He says, For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh, who are in the flesh, cannot please God. And so here, he starts out using this word for, which is like a conclusion. He comes to this conclusion. He says, The mind set on the flesh, first of all, is hostile to God. And those people who have their mindset on the flesh and their sinful desires, they are hostile to God. It's like they're in open rebellion to God. They don't want to hear about God. They don't want to be around people who talk about God. Uh, what they want is to be able to live the way they want without any feelings of guilt or remorse or shame. And so in order to be able to live that way without guilt or remorse, they have to somehow or other get hostile toward God and push God away or say that God doesn't exist. I've seen this in people that I've known who've been off the path and living uh, a life gratifying their sinful desires and they get hostile to God and will even say at times, either I don't believe in God or God really doesn't exist. And, uh, and that hostility can only change somehow uh, by that person coming to the bottom of, uh, of life uh, coming to the end of themselves where they cry out for help and there's nowhere else for them to go but back to God. It says that person whose mind is set on the flesh next of all does not submit to God's law. Indeed it cannot. And that's the third thing. You cannot submit to, uh, to God's law when you're living in your flesh. In other words, you don't have the power to submit and live in your flesh at the same time. Uh, there's no way you can overcome your sinful desires on your own. Uh, no one has ever been able to defeat sin in this life in their own power other than the Lord Jesus. Uh, if you could do that on your own today, then we wouldn't need a Savior, would we? Uh, but you can't. So cry out to the Lord Jesus for help. Those who are in the flesh, he says, cannot please God. It's impossible to please God when you're living in your flesh. And so let's get a little bit more and we'll see where the help comes from. Romans 8, 9. But you are not in the flesh, you're in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. 
And so here he says, you are not in the flesh, you are in the spirit if the spirit of God dwells in you. And that says that he's talking to believers here. Uh, so it's not uh, unbelievers don't really have the battle that goes on inside because, uh, because they don't have a new nature to war against their old nature. They just have their own nature. So here he's saying this battle that goes on is between believers. And he says, you are not in, in, in the flesh if the Spirit of God lives in you. And in fact, the Spirit of God does dwell in you. That's something for you to know today. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God is living in you. Now, and anyone who does not have Christ does not belong to him or does not have the Spirit of Christ. And so uh, uh, the Spirit of God lives in you. Some, some may say you have to act a certain way in order to have the Holy Spirit, or some may believe that you have to speak in tongues uh, in order to have the Holy Spirit. But I've known wonderful Christian people in my life who, who are filled with the Spirit of God who don't have some of those gifts. Uh, what the Scripture tells us is that uh, no man can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So today, if you're a child of God through faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives in you. And that means that the power of God to help you overcome your flesh is also living in you. Let's look at verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although your bodies are dead because of sin, your spirits are alive because of righteousness. And so what he means by this, if Christ is in you, your bodies are dead because of sin. That means if Christ is in you, that sin is no longer your master. Uh, your own nature uh, is put to death through Christ that is living in you. And your spirit is alive also because the righteousness of Christ is in you. And sin doesn't have to have control over your life because Christ is living in you. Let's get verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Christ, who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through his spirit which dwells in you. Uh, I love this. Because he's saying, uh, if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you, then he will give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit which lives in you. Today, the same spirit uh, that is Jesus Christ, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. So whatever you're struggling with today, whether it is disease or sin or depression, or any kind of illness, then you need to know that resurrection power is living in you. Call on the Lord to deliver you from whatever it is that you're, that you're dwell, dealing with today. His power is living in you if you're His child. And so, let's get uh, verses 12 and 13 in Romans 8. So then, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And, uh, you know, he says that we have a debt, but it's not to the flesh, although your flesh will tell you that you have a debt. And it'll tell you that, you know, uh, you, have, you have been living in the Spirit for a long time now. You know, why don't you just go ahead and, and, and twist off and do this thing that you, your sinful nature has been tempting you to do? You know, you owe it to yourself. 
Uh, you owe nothing to your flesh, the scripture is telling us. Instead, uh, we have a debt of love to the Lord Jesus, but we owe nothing to our flesh. And to, to try and pay a debt to our flesh will only lead to destruction in our life. Um, and when you live according to the flesh, he says, you will die. But by the Spirit, you'll put to death the deeds. of. If you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so this is all done by spirit power, not by me power, but by spirit power. Let's go on and get a little bit more. For all who are led by the Spirit are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And so here he's saying that you are a child of God. You are part of God's family if you're led by the Spirit. And you didn't receive the spirit of, of slavery to fall into fear. Instead, you've received the spirit of sonship. And so you're a child of God. And through faith in him, uh, as his child, uh, you can relax and know that God is not out to condemn you because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Instead, God is out to love you and to nurture you. And he's waiting to free you when you come to him for his help. Uh, he is our loving father. And so let's get the last part of this. And, uh, and then we'll talk just a little bit more. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we might also be glorified with him. And so here he's saying that we are his children, provided that we suffer with him. And now that that verse could be a little disturbing to, to anyone that reads it. He's saying one of the signs of being a child of God is that we experience the things Jesus did. Jesus was, uh, Jesus was bruised uh, for our iniquities. Uh, he was beaten. Jesus experienced persecution. And he was mocked. And finally he was put to death. Suffering, Jesus says, if, if he experienced this, then how can we, as his children, not be expected to also experience persecution at the hands of the unbelieving world? Being persecuted in some way is one of the signs that comes from being a Christian. And uh, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation or suffering, but be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. You know, we don't see the kind of uh, persecution in this country like they see in many of the countries across the world where Christian saints are literally being put to death on account of their faith in Jesus. But here in this country, I'm sad to say that um, persecution is really starting to grow. And uh, the world in America is so open-minded and broad-minded for all kinds of religious beliefs, except for people who practice Christianity and say that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And so as a result of us beginning to stand on the truth, I think we'll begin to see more and more persecution of believers in this country. And uh, anymore, uh, 
even around, I know I've seen this recently in news stories, Christians in, in public places who try to uh, profess their faith around the holidays and not just say happy holidays, but say Merry Christmas and put a manger scene out in a public place, experience persecution. And, and so he, Jesus is saying through the Apostle Paul in these verses that you can expect as a child of God when you stand on your faith that there will be, uh, that there will be trials that follow because of that. Jesus experienced it, and we will too. In the next study, what we're going to see is that, uh, uh, that God has a plan for us, even in our trials. Uh, God is with us every day in this, uh, this Christian life that we lead, but He's also with us, not only in the good times, but He's with us in, his, in our struggles. And we're